Welcome to another episode of The Worthy Physician. I'm your host, Dr. Sapna Shawhawk, and today I have Dr. Gazelle. And honestly, I'm very thrilled to have you here. It's been it's been a long time coming, and life has happened, but thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure to be talking with you. So what got you into working with physician burnout and being what I think is a an advocate? Well, most of my career was in internal medicine and hospice and palliative care. And along the way, I had my own difficulties with burnout. You know, when I was um, at work, I was feeling guilty that I wasn't home with my son. When I was home with my son, I was thinking I need to read more journal articles and do more for my patients and be on the EMR. And it really wore me down. And I've spent most of my professional life at Harvard Medical School, and that's wonderful. But there's this sense of never being good enough. And I think whether you're at Harvard Medical School or wherever you are, we physicians tend to carry that burden that we're never good enough. And so that contributed to a lot of my burnout. And I stumbled into coaching. I found coaching life and career changing. It was like leapfrogging forward, frankly. And I'd had plenty of therapy for complicated family issues. Therapy was great, but coaching was so, um, so life changing. And it really helped me find the kind of balance that I wanted as a physician, as a mother, as a human being. And things just really lightened in my life. That's really the biggest word that I would use. I was able to lighten that sense of never being good enough. I was able to lighten a lot of that guilt. I was able to lighten myself and live with a lot more joy and thriving. So that's when I decided to become a coach. I wanted to help burnt out docs have the kind of gains that I really saw were possible. So I did my coach training in 2011. I just hung out my shingles, started coaching docs, and I've really had the pleasure of coaching well over 500 physicians and physician leaders over the last decade. And along the way, I deepened my personal interest in mindfulness and brought more of that into my coaching, which doesn't mean that I sit around telling burnt out docs that if they meditate, life will be wonderful and their practices will be a dream. Far from it. It's really more that we don't get an operating manual for this instrument that we all use in all of our waking hours, which is our mind. And so... That's why I went on to write the book, Mindful MD, Six Ways Mindfulness Restores Your Autonomy and Cures Healthcare Burnout. Because when we learn how to work with our mind and all the unhelpful thoughts that our mind is often busy generating, that's when we can actually reclaim the autonomy that we deserve to have, not the external autonomy. That has been arrested in many ways. There's no question about that. But there's a different kind of autonomy that we can reclaim. And that really helps to decrease the sense of burnout that so many of our colleagues are struggling with. Thank you for that. And what do you mean by autonomy? Can you define that? Because, you know, it's, it's more than just having control over schedules. For, for me, it's, I mean, that is a big part of it. But what other sense of autonomy are you referring to? If you can clarify that for me. We learn in our training that we are the one who is in control, right? We're the captain of the team. Correct. We're supposed to show weakness, perfect or a failure. We learn to be very critical of ourselves. And that actually takes away a lot of our autonomy, our authenticness, who we are that led us to go into what is a wonderful healing profession. 
And then we became employees and we came became employees in big corporations. And what do big corporations do in this country? Well, they're interested in making money. Right. Right. Yes. That juxtaposition of us learning that we were in control, captain of the team, a little bit the boss of how healthcare would run. When that meets up with the corporatization of medicine, it is kind of a failing meetup because the dissonance that we experience when we're not the captain of the team, um, you know, a non-clinician practice manager, a CEO, right? It's been a hard pill for us to swallow. And if we had learned to be more flexible, which we don't learn in our training, if we'd learned to have more self-acceptance, if we'd learned to have more of an internal compass of success rather than the external compass that I think many of us learn in our medical training, I think we would feel more autonomous in our practice. We wouldn't be as upset about the lack of external control that we now experience as employees in big healthcare systems. And I think we would be less likely to hand over our happiness to what we can only call a broken healthcare system. And that, to me, is really where the money is. How can we still have a sense of meaning and purpose? Some people call it joy. I think joy is a little bit Pollyanna. Because we're working way too hard to be experiencing, oh, yay, joy. But we can still thrive. We can still enjoy the good that we do for patients because every physician is doing good all day long. When we're burnt out, we don't see that. We have tunnel vision. We only see what's going wrong. And we're kind of primed for that as well in our medical training because it's so deficit-based. You know, it's all about problems. And we begin to see ourselves and our lives as a problem that we have to solve. And that is unhealthy. That takes us away again from being present with our loved ones, enjoying the good relationships that we have, both within work and without work. So those, to me, are some of the building blocks and why I really believe that pragmatic mindfulness, not sitting and meditating and navel-gazing, that's not what I'm about, but really learning your own patterns, patterns of reactivity, for example, patterns of unhelpful thoughts. We can talk a little bit more about that, what that really means. Um, what I've seen, in again, in the hundreds of physicians that I've coached is that a lot of them stay in the same job. And as they say to me, same miserable practice manager, you know, same difficult entitled patients, same this, same that. But now I actually feel much better about my own work. That's for me what, why I'm, why, why I work as a coach for colleagues. No, I, I, I think everything that you said, I agree. We're set up from the beginning to have this internal drive of perfection. Yes, we want to do what is right for the patient. We want to not make mistakes there. Having said that, that does not mean that that needs to reflect on me as a person that I am completely flawless. And I do think that those lines get blurred completely. Unfortunately, that culture is changing like an iceberg moving. Very slow. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I'm a pragmatist and I, I, I encourage my coaching clients, all the physicians that I work with, to focus on what parts of this can they control and what can they not. Because again, if we believe that we control everything in healthcare, well, that's a recipe for a lot of dissatisfaction because there's so much that we can't control. Right. So many moving parts. And, you know, just the dichotomy of with the EMR 
with having to haggle with insurance companies, all the below grade tasks, you know, there's just a lot that's out of our control. Right. And yet physicians come to me like I was I was coaching a family doc the other day who was very upset because she couldn't get a motorized wheelchair for a patient who really needed a motorized wheelchair. And she'd sent letters and faxes. And you know what? There was a lot that she couldn't control and she was spending a lot of time on it, which is great. This is, you know, she's there to advocate for her patient in need, but her level of distress around the aspects that she couldn't control was profound. She was thinking about it. It was waking her up at night when she was home with her kids at dinner. You know, why can't I move this forward? What's wrong with me that I can't get this wheelchair for Mr. Jones? We have to focus on what we can control. Because what I see physicians doing is, again, losing a lot of their precious energy stores on all the things they can't control. They sit down to charge. This is unfair. Why are they making me do this? This isn't what I signed up for. I hate this. Nobody sees how hard I'm working. And now there's a lot of kernels of truth in there. But then you don't even have the energy to write the notes. And you have to do the notes. Every job in the universe has odious parts to it. And writing notes is the odious part for the modern physician. So you want to have energy to get things done so that you don't have to be doing that all weekends and nights. So again, that's kind of the the piece of this that I focus on as a coach. Let's really look at what you can control and what you can't. Let's harness all your energies to work with the part of this that you can control. Absolutely. And I, I think you're embracing or framing really a good a good differentiation between coaching and that would be like reframing your energy. Okay, you know, we're going to take this energy that you're spending on the negative side. And it's not to, again, yeah, I agree. It's not going to be Pollyanna, but it is going to be, okay, I can either spend 20 minutes complaining about this or I can spend that 20 minutes charting. And I'm probably, once I get a system down, I will be more efficient. Mm -hmm. So that, I think that's also, would you, what is your thought? Um, You know, therapy, you talk it out, you get some homework and, you know, it's a very cathartic experience. However, mm -hmm. on coaching, it's more helping to maybe shift energy, shift thought, shift a way of life. Yeah. Um, With therapy, like we're, we're kind of telling the story, whatever the painful story is, childhood difficulties, you know, bad marriages, accidents, death of a loved one. But we can be stuck in that story. And coaching is more about the present and the desired future. It's not that the past is unimportant. The past casts a long shadow for all of us. But my angle is, how is the past showing up today? How is the past helping you today? How is the past holding you back? So I was coaching on a vascular surgery leader, a wonderful woman, very well-esteemed, you know, top of her game. And yet, when she would go into board meetings at her hospital, because she was, you know, at a high level, she said, sometimes I just feel like a little girl. I lose my footing. I lose my voice. You know, I'm in a boardroom full of men. And all of a sudden, I, I just lose myself. And that's what I mean about the past casting a long shadow. You know what I mean? That's a pull to the past, a pull to a time when she was little and she didn't have a voice. Right. So the coaching endeavor is, well, let's help you have your voice now. Let's, let's unpack what's pulling you to the past, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. And let's really think about how we're going to move you to the future. Sometimes it's said that therapy is the trail of tears and coaching is the trail of dreams. 
let's really get back to dreaming about why did we go into medicine in the first place? What what was my sense of purpose? Hopefully you didn't go into medicine just to earn money. You know, you went because you really wanted to help vulnerable individuals in their time of need. I think that's true for the vast majority of us in medicine. Let's get back in touch with that. Let's really think about who you can be at your best. Okay, so yes, there are all these difficulties in your practice, but how do you want to be showing up? How do you want to be helping your colleagues? How do you want to help rise them up rather than being part of the, what I think about as the vortex of negativity that's taken hold in healthcare? What's going to help you really feel proud at the end of your days that you're really at your best? Because that to me is, that's the part we can control. You're you're speaking my language. You're speaking to the <laughs> choir. Absolutely. I have control over how I'm going to show up and how I'm going to react to I can't go up against Congress and I can't go up against the companies or, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies. But what we can do is change the mind shift of one physician at a time and wake them up and say, you're worthy. You are worth being treated as a human being with respect, with dignity and quit putting your head down because you're not a perfect person. But look up and acknowledge yourself, acknowledge your for lack of better terms, inner divinity, and I'm not going on any type of uh, religiosity, but, you know, we're all human. So hold your head up high and be proud of that. Yes. And and take take in the good you are doing. Because again, that tunnel vision of burnout is really costly. You know, so many docs that I've coached, you know, they go home at the end of the day, their spouse, oh, honey, how was your day? Oh, it was miserable. This went wrong. You know, my MA didn't room the patient and then she didn't take the vitals and then the practice administrator wanted this and and the patient wanted that. You know, and then they sit there at the dinner table just like down, down, down and the kids are watching it. And then they go to sleep and they feel like crap about themselves. We deserve as physicians to feel really good about ourselves. We do. We work incredibly hard at our jobs. Unbelievable. You know, we, we go the extra mile for our patients over and over and over. We make a big difference in people's lives. And we need to feel good about that. So we got to take off those blinders. You know, one of the first things when, when burnt out docs come to me, you know, nothing's going well, Gail. I don't know why I bother. Why did I go into the practice of medicine? After I empathize with them, I often just say, you know, tell me one thing that went well, one patient that you helped over the last week. And typically there's a big pause because they're stuck in that place of negativity, you know, through no fault of their own, but it's ingrained in us. But then when they warm up a little bit, all of a sudden they start telling me about, you know, Mrs. Smith, who they couldn't help her CHF. You know, she was on a maximum med regimen. But Mrs. Smith really thanked them for being there and being, you know, caring and trying to come up with new medication regimens, et cetera. That's, we need to take that in because otherwise it's like crossing the desert without a drop of water, you know, and that's how a lot of burnt out docs are living. It's not good. We need to help our colleagues really move beyond all of that negative lens. Yeah, I agree. Um, Dr. Jean-Baptiste that I have um, had on the podcast, she made a very good point about, you know, in medical school, we get a 95% on an exam and nobody's, we're not happy about the 95%. We're upset about the 5% we missed. Yes. And so we get, it is, we get that mindset trained from not, it was way before medical school because it's even difficult to have a seat in medical school. It's very competitive. Yeah. And so that carries over into the practice of medicine. Gosh, you know, that one patient, that one day at that one time that was dissatisfied for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. we carry that 
we can't let that go, but we cannot focus. It's a very difficult to shift that to the 95% of the impact that we're making. Well, that's where mindfulness comes in. And that's yes. really the case that I'm making in the yes. book, Mindful MD, Six Ways Mindfulness Restores Your Autonomy and Cures Healthcare Burnout. And I'll just say your listeners can download a free chapter at gailgazelle.com forward slash mindful MD. Because yeah, that that tendency to focus on what we didn't do well, that's ingrained in us as docs. And it reminds me of a gastroenterologist that I was coaching. You know, Gail, I might have 10 procedures in the beginning of a week and nine of them go perfectly. But if there's the slightest thing with off, we're not even talking about complications, perforations, bleeding. We're just talking about like something so minute. That's the one that I focus on. And so what we're doing with mindfulness is we're getting to know where we're focusing. We're really getting to know our patterns of thinking, our patterns of behaviors, our patterns of emotional dysregulation or regulation. Because once we get to know them, we begin to realize that we have a choice. We do not have to focus on that one minute thing that didn't go perfectly. We have a choice. We don't learn that in our training. You know, the cognition is all that's supreme. (laughs) We don't learn to question our cognition. But that's really what my book is all about because I've seen the power of it over and over and over. We can, we can retrain our own brain. And that's what mindfulness is about. It's, it's, it's being more aware, not just to be more aware, but in the service of regulating yourself, in the service of putting your attention where you want your attention to be, in the service of, in, in a way, training your mind so that you're the master of the mind rather than it's captive. And, that's a very exciting journey because you come out on the other end of it with a lot more sense of autonomy within yourself, the autonomy that we all can have and that we all deserve to have, no matter what broken system we're working in, because there's a lot of broken systems in American society, not just healthcare. So that's what's really exciting to me. I, I don't even really tell that many of my physician clients that they might benefit from meditation. I work with them on their patterns of thinking. You know, that's pragmatic mindfulness. I love the fact that you define that and you make it very clear it's pragmatic. It's not meditation because we know that is it's very hard to sit and meditate, number one, when you don't have have much time. Yes. Or it's perceived time. But also when your mind is going in so many different directions. So you're talking about pragmatic and it's almost it's focusing on the inner self, working on myself as a human being, how I have my thoughts and reactions, learning what is going to trigger me. And hopefully over time, I get to decide and figure out how I'm going to use my energy to respond to external stimuli. That's just so powerful just in life in general, because it's almost like I get to develop a super secret weapon that is a shield that I can either protect my energy or I can give it away. I can change how I want to direct that. And that's just so powerful and so liberating. It is because so many times we can kind of feel like a victim of circumstances, right? Yes. Yes. I can't because, or this happened to me so. And that that is so disempowering really deeply disempowering. It's disempowering in our work. It's disempowering in our love relationships and our marriages. It's disempowering for us as parents and as adult children. And so this is the true power that we can have, is this real autonomy, that sense within ourselves that 
we have choice and we're kind of directing our own ship. And I talk about this in Mindful MD, the mm-hmm. self-determination theory that Rich Ryan and Ed TC created in the 1980s, which is really the most um, powerful and uh, esteemed theory of human motivation and human growth. And it says that we need autonomy, competence, and relatedness to grow as human beings. And really interestingly, Rich Ryan has written extensively about the autonomy that mindfulness restores. So he's he's the man. He's the guru about autonomy <laughs> yeah. and determination. And I cite him in the book, and he was kind enough to write a testimonial for the book that, yes, this can restore autonomy in healthcare, which has a direct correlation with alleviating burnout. You know, it's not, I think when people hear the word mindfulness, oh, you know, the monks meditating on the mountainside or the hippies coming out of Woodstock. Right. You know, right. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. That's not, that's not how I see mindfulness at all. It's really more an applied, pragmatic approach to operating this instrument, you know, and operating it to your benefit. What I'm looking up is uh, the drivers of burnout that Maslach gives. Autonomy is a big one. Yes, it is. She yes, it is. right about external autonomy, but she did not take into account this more important type of autonomy that I'm talking about. Right. And she, I know her well, she'd actually be the first to admit it. Yeah. She developed her theories around burnout in the 1970s. Right. She was really a trailblazer, a wonderful trailblazer. Uh, They're, they're different kinds of autonomy. No, you're absolutely right. And she's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And, and uh, she is a trailblazer. Um, But I'm looking at this and it's the lack of reward, lack of community, mismatch of values, lack of fairness. And all those, many of those are external. Mm-hmm. But when you put that driver internal, and it's not to say, for the listener, it's not to say that the doctor is the problem. We're some of the most resilient yeah. individuals because we've... Without a doubt. It's it's gaining that inner, inner compass and that inner control. How are we going to spend our time? There are 24 hours in a day. How are we going to spend your time? Are you going to spend it like Dr. Gazelle had exemplified complaining about charting or using that 20 minutes charting and trying to figure out a a more efficient way because when we change that mindset, I think we can we can literally move mountains. I I would agree with that. I just love this conversation because I appreciate your time and your insight. And this is we you know there's a lot of good points here, a lot of golden nuggets about mindfulness. It's not about meditation. It's about being pragmatic. It's about coaching versus therapy, which you refer to as a trail of tears, and that's absolutely true and then defining autonomy i think at if we redefine autonomy and combine that with coaching and the pragmatic mindfulness that you have mentioned multiple times that's a nice wrapped gift that we can give ourselves it really is it's a game changer and in my book there are dozens of vignettes of real life physicians how they've been able to use some of these very particular six particular tools that i provide in the book to work with this this uh, entity, the mind that we don't get the operating manual for, and really kind of right size the difficulties that they're facing. That's that's really at the end of the day, so that they don't have to hand over their happiness and career satisfaction to what can only be described as a dysfunctional and broken system. Yes, and if the listener wanted to reach out to you, how do they get in touch with you, or even to 
purchase your book, not just a not just a chapter, because if you've enjoyed this podcast and our conversation, I would say let's take a deeper dive. Well, thank you. You can reach out to me at info at gailgazelle.com, G-A-I-L-G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. And yes, of course, you can get the book at your local bookseller or Amazon. But if you want to download a free chapter, gailgazelle.com forward slash MindfulMD. You can see for yourself at no cost. Thank you for that. And this will all be in the show notes. Dr. Gazelle, I ask this to every one of my guests. What is one last pearl of wisdom you would like to leave our listeners? The last pearl of wisdom is that there's reason for hope. The healthcare system is the healthcare system. It's not the healthcare system that most physicians would wish, but it is the healthcare system that we have. And I want to encourage all of your listeners to be very judicious in the limited and precious energy that they have, because this is a very hard career. It's a marathon that we're running as physicians. And each and every one of your listeners deserves to have the energy that they need to do well in their career and do well in their lives, more importantly, with their families, with their own dreams and passions. So be judicious about where you expend your energy. That's my last pearl. Thank you so much. And again, I just, I'm so grateful for your work and for your insight. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. If you have enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, share it with a friend because we could all use a little bit of normalizing the topic of burnout, knowing that we're not alone.